My name is Jan Scruggs. I'm the president and founder of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. It's right there near the, the Lincoln Memorial, a uh, very extraordinary work of architecture, which has had a, a significant impact on the country and uh, its military veterans. I'm here today with uh, Ron Milam, who's a great historian. Uh, he has served in Vietnam as an army uh, officer, and uh, his life has revolved around the Vietnam War with serious scholarship done at Texas Tech University. So, uh, Ron, I want to introduce you to everyone, and uh, why don't you just tell us how you ended up in Vietnam? I mean, you could have figured a way to get out of that mess, but you wanted to go over there. Why'd you do that? Well, thank you for asking me that question, and uh, I'm honored to be here with you today, Jan. I was in graduate school at Wayne State University, a graduate school of business, and uh, got my notice that I was a now 1A and eligible to be drafted, and they, and they gave me an option of staying in school and finishing my degree under the college option program. Mm. And so I did that, finished the master's degree, and, they, and told them that I would enter the Army um, in July of, 19, um, uh, July of 1968. Um, they told me with an MBA, I would probably go to the Finance Corps, and if I ended up in Vietnam, I'd be in Saigon uh, doing uh, administrative work. Problem with that is this thing happened called the Tet Offensive in January of, 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 of 1968. And as a result of that, they closed all those officer candidate schools like finance and adjutant general and all those things. And instead, uh, they sent me to the infantry school where I became a commissioned officer in the United States Infantry and went into went to Vietnam then in uh, in um, January and excuse me of June of 1960 uh, 1970 excuse me so you were a platoon leader or I was yeah I was actually a mobile advisory team leader an advisor in the central highlands by the time I got to Vietnam virtually all of the American units had gone home from the central highlands so we were there with a five man team and a few guys that hung on and did logistics work and, and supplied us with their power and things like that. But basically I lived with the Vietnamese people, earned my CIB 29 days after I got there uh, in terms of being in the fight uh, with uh, local rough puffs yeah. and people self-defense forces. It was quite an experience. Yes. And I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you made it back by the way. And thank you for your service. But uh... It was rough. I remember that the local, the localized military people were not, not the most motivated, but they did the best they could. Absolutely. And so, but this, your time in Vietnam has led you to a lifetime of study and interest in the Vietnam War. What was it about your experience? And why don't you tell us the things you've done at uh, Texas Tech? Well, sadly, when I came home from Vietnam in June of 1971, I was one of those veterans that kissed the ground and said, uh, I'll never go back to that hellhole. Yeah. And I've been back 16 times now. I, I was a Fulbright scholar. I've taught in Vietnam. I think the thing that led me back is I, I decided to go back and earn a PhD in military history in, in uh, 1999. And I was shocked 
by the way it was being taught at the collegiate level. What they were talking about, it was almost as if the war took place in Washington, D.C., in Hanoi and Saigon. There was very little discussion about the soldiers that fought the war, the airmen, the, the sailors. There was no discussion. There weren't even books that I could see other than memoirs. I couldn't even see books that were written about that experience. So I started researching soldier behavior. I started getting, having a big interest in, in what actually happened on the ground in the war that I fought in. As a result of that, uh, I earned my PhD in 2004 at the University of Houston, and I applied for jobs, and nobody was hiring Vietnam veterans who wanted to teach stuff like that. But at Texas Tech University, they did hire me. And I got there and found the world's largest archive on the Vietnam War. Mm. It's an amazing set of material, 38 million pages of archival material plus artifacts. And, um, and it's the place to be. It's also at Texas Tech University, the Vietnam War is the most popular history course that we teach. Most places it's the Civil War, but in at Texas Tech, I teach 150 students uh, approximately every other spring semester. So it's popular and, uh, and I enjoy doing it. And as a result of that, I started going back to Vietnam and taking graduate and undergraduate students with me. About every other summer we go to Vietnam. And we've made 10 trips back with students, and I personally have made another six trips. Yeah, I really enjoyed, I've done 10 trips there and be, began a project called Project Renew in the Quain Tree Province. And over the past four years, which removes landmines and you know, cluster bomb units, but in the last four years, not one person has died from uh, an unexploded ordinance. I have had, a, boy, I'm so glad you, you mentioned that and that you were involved in it. I've taken my students to Project Renew there right out of Dong Ha City. Yeah. Uh, it is a wonderful project and, uh, and they've done such good work, such good work. Yeah, I, I found the Vietnamese easy, easy to get along with and uh, they're happy to agree with just about anything. <laughs> Sometimes they have to call headquarters first, but uh, now, Every year you have all these guys coming to Washington, D.C. on Harley-Davidson motorcycles. And uh, it has been rumored that you have a collection of Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Can you tell us why all these people at Rolling Thunder come to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial? Unlike, you know, some other place, St. Louis Arch. It is an absolutely wonderful project. Run for the wall to get to Rolling Thunder is a project that's been going on now since, uh, oh my goodness, before me, maybe back in the early 90s. Um, I made my first trip in 2001. Uh, I literally rode from Orange County, California, uh, stopping at the VFW and American Legion halls along the way. And by the time we got to Washington, we were several thousand and we joined up with about 300,000 other riders. The coolest, the coolest stickers that you see on helmets are the ones that say, I wasn't there, but I care. Mm -hmm. In other words, there are so many people that are not Vietnam veterans as we're getting older that are still riding in support of the idea of that wall. And, and it, it just, it's, it, it's about almost everyone that rides knows somebody whose name is on that wall. 
the names on the wall are obviously the most important thing about the wall itself. And, and so you see people uh, making this inscriptions uh, uh, on the wall because they uh, know somebody or they, it's, a, it's a relative or often it's just somebody that they knew from their small town that they come from. Um, it is a, it's a, an incredible operation, just the planning itself to get that many writers into Washington. But the wall attracts that those people. And they're not, like I say, as we're getting older as Vietnam uh, war veterans, it's being, we're being replaced by the Iraq and the Afghan vets uh, that are still writing and, and, and supporting the idea of the wall. It's terrific, yeah. just in all respects. It's nice. Uh what is your explanation? Why do people come to the wall and leave these things there? I was recently there and there was a, two letters to different people who died during battles. And why do people bring this stuff there? I think everyone has their own personal reason for doing it. It still is amazing to me. When I was working um, with you in the, on the education center, you had that day that took us over into Maryland to that warehouse. And we saw the number of thousands, hundreds of thousands of things that are there because of the existence of the wall. It's a location for people to take things and leave them because it does something for both them and for the idea of that person whose name that they're representing. Letters, uh, and I, I, know, I know you're familiar and you remember the, the guys from Wisconsin. I think this was 2001. The guys from Wisconsin brought that beautiful motorcycle yeah. that they had made uh, with the names of Wisconsin uh, veterans that had died in the war. And they presented this beautiful motorcycle at the, right there at the wall. And that's, of course, in the, in the Maryland uh, Museum now. I, um, I, I think it's a connection that they make with this piece of, of whatever it is that was, that, that they you that they had with another uh, man whose name is on the wall. Could be cigarettes. It could be uh, an old Pat's blue ribbon beer. Uh, it could be things that they brought home with them and, and they were, and, and they're cleaning out the garage uh, 50 years later and they find it. And they remember a person that this connects to and they make a trip to Washington and leave it there. What a story. What a story. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, such a unique work, work of architecture. There are different places in the world where the faithful sort of have to go. The Muslims have to go to Mecca and, and Saudi Arabia. The Catholics go to Rome, Italy. And, uh, and for Vietnam veterans, this is their Rome. This is their Mecca. So they have to make one trip here before they die. And, uh, fantastic. and they struggle. Some of them struggle of with the idea of going. But generally speaking, those that I know feel better after they've made the trip. They anticipate it. They struggle with it. But once they've done it, they feel so much better. Yeah. I once gave a tour to the memorials about seven years ago. A fellow who actually lived on 23rd Street, uh, four blocks away from the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, and had been waiting for 35 years to get the courage up to go and visit it. <laughs> but he felt much better once he did. Yes. So, so what are your, what are some of your goals in the future uh, for your work at Texas Tech? What would you like to have happen? 
There's several things. Uh, in terms of my academic role as a history professor teaching the Vietnam War, I'm trying to create the next generation of Vietnam War scholars. What that means is that they understand all aspects of the war. They understand the home front. They understand what all of us uh, that went there to fight were dealing with when we came home, the struggles that we had. Um, so that's the next generation and, uh, and they're terrific. And in fact, I actually have uh, four right now, I have uh, three women, uh, two from Hanoi and one from, uh, and one from uh, Saigon that, uh, that whose relatives fought against each other that are studying the Vietnam War and a couple of them will go back and teach that war, our side of the war and their side, I would argue, in Vietnam. Um, so that's sort of my academic role. The other, the other important thing is that we are, um, as with 38 million pages of archival material and four helicopters and a lot of archival material that's still, um, that's still uh, in, our, in our warehouses, we are going to be uh, creating what will become the National Museum of the Vietnam War. We're in the process of, of, uh, of doing that right now. We have the land already dedicated by our Board of Regents. Uh, and we're just beginning the, uh, the uh, fundraising aspects of that. And we hope that within the next five years, that museum will be the place for anyone to come to know about the Vietnam, the Vietnam War, not only to study about it through the archival material, but also to see the items that, uh, that tell us about that, that war. How do you, when you teach, <clears throat> What do you do with the Cold War when people try to understand why we were over there? The Cold War was going on. So could you address that for a moment? Yeah, I buy into the idea. Not all scholars do, but I buy into the idea that it really was about America's fear of, uh, of the Soviet Union, the fear of communism. Uh, the domino theory that was uh, promulgated by Dwight Eisenhower back in 54, I believe, uh, uh, resonated with a lot of our military and uh, our policymakers, not, the, not so much the military, but with our politicians that, that, that were concerned about it. And as a result of that, we decided that it was necessary to stop, com to contain communism wherever it may have, may be. China had just fallen in 49 to the communists and they're just to the north. That's the largest country. We had the Soviet Union issues. We had them supporting the idea of an expansion of communism. And as a result of that, it was determined that we had to support stopping the communist movement in Vietnam. And that was the attempt. And it really starts in, you know, 1952, 53 with the French, and then it continues on. Mm -hmm. um, and we bought into that idea. And, uh, you know, those of us on the ground, like yourself, it was, it was sort of like uh, the people that were fighting these, these terrible communists still just look kind of like us. They still had a gun in their hand and they were trying to kill us. The idea of it being about communism was sort of lost to most of us on the ground that were doing it. Yeah. And the Korean War as well was part of this whole containment of communism. You know, 1953 it ended, and for the Vietnam War, it sort of ended in 1954 or transformed itself into something else. Right. And, and I can remember thinking that uh, by, I was there late, like I say, 70 and 71. Most of the Americans had gone home in Pleiku province where I was serving. And I can remember thinking that at least 
it would be end up, end up like Korea. It would yeah. end up in a stalemate with a North Vietnam divided at the 17th parallel. Right. Now, as it's turned out, it didn't work out that way after 1975. And the country is, of course, now taken over by the Communist Party. Um, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I do buy into the idea that that's why, we, that's why the United States decided to be there because of the Cold War. All those other ideas that America invaded it for the resources and for the oil and gas, no, not true. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to a teacher once who says, well, we, we studied Vietnam War and I explained to <clears throat> our students how we we have all these cars, so we need all the rubber from the rubber plantations for our cars. I mean, this is the type of lunacy that people are subjected to all the time in the world of understanding history in the Vietnam War. Right. Wars. <laughs> well, when I was in the oil and gas industry for 27 years, I was actually with a company um, that was one of the first people to go into Vietnam for the oil, the offshore oil. The truth of the matter is there's, there's plenty of oil other places <clears throat> than to have to go in and fight a war to get it. Not that way. <laughs> yeah, we've got enough oil in this country to keep things going for a long time, and we're using a lot less of it. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's uh, very important that we have these discussions with people like you. So if you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave with us, uh, I'd love to hear them, and uh, go right ahead. I will just say this, that, that Jan, what you have done uh, in terms of founding the wall has probably centered everything that we do around memory. And the memory of this war is now so critical. You and I are about the same age as those who were, who were veterans of World War II by about the 1990s, I guess. And we had this interest in uh, those in people in their set, being 70 years old. All of a sudden, we were counting the number of years that they had left. Mm. And we had an interest in studying about World War II. I think that's happening with, with Vietnam. We're commemorating the 50th anniversary. And in two years, it'll be the 50th anniversary of the fall of, uh, of Saigon. And so I think that there will be an interest for the next 20 years yeah. in really studying about this wall, about the, about the war, understanding the, the, uh, the memory issues associated with it. And hopefully some of the negative feelings that people had about those of us that served, that, that, decided to to do what our country asked us to do some of those bad feelings will go away i hope so i see it with my students it's now their granddad their grandfather that served in the war and most of them are are of the opinion that they want to understand about it so they can talk to grandpa and i think the number of people that are still going to washington dc washington dc to go to the wall is so um, is so reflective of the interest that still exists in this terrible war and the terrible time that it created in America. And I thank you for doing that wall. My God, for founding the wall. My goodness, it's it still amazes me when I think about the ideas that went into it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that it all happened, but uh, it took somebody who uh, was single-minded. Wild stuff. Well, keep we thank you for that. Tell, tell everybody at Texas Tech I said hey, and uh, I did give a, the first contribution or one of the first contributions to build this uh, great facility you have there, and I will uh, 
continue to help you as time goes on and, and help, help you sp- spread the word. And Jan, we appreciate that so much. We really do. Um, your, your name, uh, all we have to do is, and, and I know you don't mind us doing this, we drop your name a lot. <laughs> and uh, we'll continue to do that. And uh, we want to get you out there and let you visit it. And, and, and we'll take it from there. All right. All right. See you. Thanks again. Thank you very much.